We'll be reading from John chapter 4, verse 27. We'll take up right where we left off this morning. John chapter 4, verse 27. We'll read through verse 42. Let me mention again, of course, this morning our thought was Jesus walks right through man-made barriers. Just pretended they weren't there. Now, he walked right through these barriers that humans would not, could not do away with for centuries. And Jesus just pretended they weren't there. Remember, of course, there were a couple of reminders about this barrier when it said that he was compelled to go to Samaria. That word, but, was in there. That means there's a contrast that being compelled to go through Samaria was in contrast to what was normally done, but he was compelled to go through Samaria. Also, you remember this morning, the woman's reaction. She could not believe that a Jewish man would ask her for a drink since she was a woman and a Samaritan. In this passage of Scripture, we have another reminder. See if you can catch it. John chapter 4, verse 27. Would you stand as the Scripture's read, please? And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who has told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of, which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages, gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, and we thank you for the stories of Jesus. Thank you for these four books. Thank you, Father, we have them before us to read, and we ask that we would look at them, and we would look at Jesus. Turn our eyes upon him throughout this week. Help us to look at him and, and his things. Direct our attention to you. Father, we ask you to direct our steps in the way you'd want us to go to be the church you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. 
Well, the other evidence of this barrier that uh, John wanted to be sure we didn't miss, of course, is in verse 27. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Not that he was talking with a woman, but he was talking spiritual things with a woman. And you see, the rabbis, it, it was just not the same then as it is. Now the rabbis would not even share the word of God with a woman. I guess they would depend on the husband to do that. And isn't this just like the working of God in that the disciples did not come too early to interrupt the conversation where Jesus is introducing himself to this woman as the Messiah in the living water. But they didn't come so late as to miss the, the conversation at all. At this point, just as Jesus is saying, answering her question when she's talking about the Messiah, and he says, the one that is talking with you, I am. At this point, at this instance, the disciples came and marveled that he talked with a woman. I want you to look at several things in this passage of Scripture as we go through the rest of what happened with this appointment that Jesus had at the well at Sychar. First of all, let's look at the woman's new heart condition. In verse 28, the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Could this be the Christ? Now, of course, John wants us to be sure to know she left her water pot. Now, that may seem to be a, a, a small thing, but he wants to be sure that we know that. Why would she leave her water pot at the well? Well, it could be, first of all, clear evidence that she intended to come back. Now, when we talk about a water pot, it was like a big, probably like a, a wine skin or something that you would fold up. But in her case, since she was coming from the city, it could have been some sort of a, a wicker basket with a, a, a wine skin in it or that sort of thing. We don't know, but we know that she came out to draw water and she had that water pot. She left it at the well. Could have been very in, good indication. She was going into the city to talk to these men. She wanted to be sure she was coming back. But then again, maybe it's obvious why she left it. What initiated the whole conversation anyway? Jesus said, I sure would like a drink. Now, how would it be if they had their conversation and she scooped up the water and ran off into town. I mean, because it never says Jesus even took a sip before he started talking to her about spiritual things. Could be she left it for Jesus. Make sure that he had a drink while she was going into town. Maybe in such a hurry to tell somebody about discovering the Messiah, she just forgot it. I mean, there are more important things to think about when you've got a message to share with the town, because remember, for centuries, the Jewish people, including the Samaritans, had waited for the Messiah. And now, right in front of her is a man, after surprising her with his knowledge of her secret life, and he says, I am. When you're talking about the Messiah, you're looking at him. I am. Well, that's when she dashes off. She was so excited to tell somebody she forgot about her water pot. Now, I don't know about you. I'm just talking about me. I don't have to be excited about stuff to forget things and leave them and lose them. But she, of course, had good reason. I want us to look at her newfound joy. 
You have to do a little bit of homework and understand what time it was. Back in the earlier passage of Scripture, John says it was the sixth hour. It was the sixth hour in the way that the Jewish people compute time. You see, their day started at 6 o'clock in the morning. That's when it started. The sixth hour had been high noon. High noon is when it was hot. Women came to the well in the morning when it was cool. She didn't come with the rest of the women. Why didn't she come with the rest of the women? And this well was about a half a mile away from town. Long walk at high noon. Nobody's at the well. Scholars believe she came to the well simply because of her shame and her embarrassment because of her lifestyle. And she was an outcast morally. She was shunned by others because of her reputation. We know that in the Jewish part of Judea that a lot of times people would get the reputation among the Jewish leaders as sinners. And, of course, those are the people you you don't associate with. And, of course, that's when Jesus raised some eyebrows because he would go visit with those people and share the love of Christ and share the love of God with them. But before, it was shame and embarrassment coming to the well at high noon. Now, watch this. She goes right into town, and she goes and she tells everybody. She tells all the men, no more shame. You see, that's the difference that Jesus makes in her life. She came to the well with one mindset. She came to the well with one heart condition, and she left the well with some newfound joy and no more shame and excitement. When you read that passage of Scripture, she went back into town and she said, I found him who told me everything that I did. And the men would say, boy, he was there a while, wasn't he? Because she had a reputation. She said, couldn't this be the Messiah? Wow. But now, you might say, wasn't this a lack of faith? She said, couldn't this be or could this be the Messiah? Well, could this be the Christ? She asked the question. have to understand, she was dealing with men. She was dealing with men who wouldn't even discuss spiritual things with a woman. If she would have come right in and said, hey, guys, I found the Messiah, they'd have laughed her out of town. All she did is present the evidence. Hey, I have found a man who told me everything about my past. Come see. Could this be the Christ? Ooh, she's got their attention now. Come see this man. Could this be the Christ? You see, that's all we can do. We can just present Jesus and invite people to come and see for themselves who Jesus is. But she said, come and see a man who told me all these things. Could this be the Messiah? Well, then the result is a spontaneous evangelistic crusade. We read, of course, through about the disciples talking to him about food, and we looked at that remark this morning when Jesus said, my food and my substance, the things that keeps me going is to do the will of the Father and finish his work. 
Jesus presents them with an unforgettable picture. In verse 35, don't you say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. The unforgettable picture, and this has to do with, of course, evangelism. Reaching others for Christ. And the picture is a farmer and his crop. The farmer's crop is this. Work is put into it. The soil is prepared. The seeds are planted. It may take a while to see a response to a ministry or a message, or an invitation. You say, well, how could it get any better than that? Oh, it gets a lot better. It gets a lot better. Because you see, when it comes to agriculture, the farmer always goes to the crop. And in this passage of Scripture, Jesus says, this is how it's typically done. There are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Lift up your eyes and look at the fields. Verse 30 says this, they went out of the city and came to him. She left, and in the meantime, they're talking to him about food. She's gone to the city. Jesus then tells them about a farmer and his crop, and he says, look guys, here comes the crop. Lift up your eyes and look. He wasn't just talking about figuratively. He said, you need to look over there. Scholars say when, you, when he said the, the fields are white to harvest, the typical dress, especially up in Samaria, was for everyone is white linen robes. And Jesus looked out and he said, the field is white. Look at them. The crop is coming to us. The crop is coming to us. We don't go to the crop. The crop is coming. Look at the work that we have to do. And he says, there's been work that went into this you didn't do, but you get to be a part of it. And you see, that's the way it is when you partner with missionaries, when you partner with folks. And you say, let us help with this investment or that investment. And we may invest in the work, but there's a lot of people that do a lot of work, maybe even before we hit the scene. And then we get to watch the crop. You see, he said an unforgettable picture that the crop is coming to them. They were white in the harvest. The whole road was filled with white robes coming to hear the message of Jesus Christ. Undeniable success. Talk about a crusade. It says, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. Undeniable success because of her witness. And they wanted to hear more. That's part of the challenge, isn't it? Part of the challenge is to get people to stop and listen, to get an audience. But notice what they said. It says here in verse 40. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed there two more days. Can you imagine? In a region that was hostile to Jewish people, sometimes wouldn't even let them pass through, they said, won't you come and stay? Won't you come and stay and talk to us some more? Wow, that is a God thing. 
come stay. And then it says many more believed because of his own word. And they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. No question about it. We're not asking the question, could this be the Christ? They said this is indeed the Christ, certainly the Christ, the Savior of the world. How can it get to be a better evangelistic meeting where many believe and many more believe? You see, Jesus was compelled to go through Samaria despite the fact that most Jews wouldn't because he had an appointment with a woman at high noon at the well. But this appointment with a lost woman, he knew, would develop into another appointment with the whole village. That's why he had to go. That's why he was compelled to go. She was reached with the gospel with an extended view of who she could reach after she received the message. Sometimes we think that we're reached with the gospel just so we can be saved. We are reached with the gospel so we can be saved, but not just for that reason. You see, we're reached with the gospel so we can be saved, but then there's an extended view of who we could reach with the gospel. Who can you reach this week? Who can you reach this week? You see, God has saved us. And the, that next half of the joy of discovering the Messiah is sharing him with somebody else. She knew the full joy of that. You say, man, this, good, this is just great. How can it get any better? Oh, it does get better. This is where we come in. This is where it kind of applies to us. We want to look at the disciples. The disciples' progress. As I mentioned before, of course, they, they marveled that he talked with a woman. So you say, those disciples had a problem. They had a problem with their typical prejudices towards Samaritans. And they did. Why? It was ingrained in them. Generation after generation after generation, they were taught to hate them. But now watch this. Look at their progress. They went to Samaria too. Jesus was compelled to go through Samaria. Guess who else went? The disciples. How did that happen? They were simply following where Jesus walked. Jesus walked into Samaria, and the men who followed him walked into Samaria with him. That's what walking with Jesus is. He walks through the barriers. They walk through the barriers. They left their comfort zone. Now, it's one thing just to be traveling through. But in verse 8, it says his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Here's how bad it was. Not only were you not supposed to go through Samaria, you couldn't even touch something that they handled. Or you would be defiled. You know, it's like the junior high equivalent of cooties. You just, you just absolutely didn't want to have any dealings with the Samaritans. 
And for the disciples to go into the city and buy food that the Samaritans had prepared meant that they were light years ahead of most Jewish people. You see, progress was coming. Progress was coming slow. At one time, this had been unthinkable. In other words, they'd say, we wouldn't have any reason to buy any food from them because I'm not going there anyway. Now they're in Samaria, and they're getting food prepared at the whatever restaurants or the cafe or whatever, bringing it out to Jesus. They were doing what was unthinkable just a little bit earlier. And they trusted the judgment of Jesus. Did you catch what we mentioned first? At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that Jesus talked with the woman. But no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? Now, they may have marveled, but they trusted his judgment. And they didn't say, are you crazy, Jesus? What are you doing? They had learned by then Jesus could not be put in a box. And you could not predict what Jesus is going to do. And you could not dictate what Jesus is going to do. And when he did something, you just trust him. Isn't that a good lesson for us? Just trust him. Nobody dared ask him, what are you up to, Jesus? They knew that it may be bizarre. They had never seen it done this way before. But they trusted. They trusted his judgment. And then, how do we know they're making progress? The typical trip through Samaria, if you had to make it at all, you walk fast and you avoid eye contact. You just go through as fast as you can. Don't look at them. Don't talk to them. Don't, don't, don't touch them. They stayed two days. Now, where would they have had to stay for two days? They would have had to stay at an inn or maybe even, maybe, they would have had to stay in a Samaritan's home. Wow. These disciples are like us. It may be slow progress, but it's progress. Jesus takes us where we are and begins to lead us to where we ought to be. And none of us are there yet, are we? But any progress is encouraging. Even small baby steps. We see them making baby steps and then they're doing things they never thought they would ever do. That's what walking with Jesus is all about. Walking in his steps. Walking through the barriers that we've put up. Maybe it's between us and other people or us and something we thought we would never be able to do. He walked right through them. And as they followed him, they walked right through them as well. Is there anything before we close? 